Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From the TCL studios, it's Mackie and Judd. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. Our guy Patrick Royce may not be doing a Turkey of the Year award this year, but that doesn't mean we can't speculate on who it would be if he did. I think it's just a lot of gobble, gobble, turkey. Just gobble, 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 turkey from Jive Turkey Gobblers. Gentlemen, I've got power rankings if you want them. We the, love power rankings on this show. The Phil Mackey Turkey of the Year <laughs> power rankings. Now, let's go back to one of our uh, polls here. We've got a couple different polls out today. It looks like of all the pairings that we put out there uh, earlier in the day, runaway winner is the Timberwolves tandem of, well, the tandem that we put out there was Tom Thibodeau and Jimmy Butler. Yes. Running away. Yes. Um, I've got seven in power ranking form here. Okay. I'm sure you guys have thrown many more names out there, but just just to make this official here, let's uh, let's fire this up in true pigskin pecking order fashion. Uh, I I did these rankings for Turkey of the Year based on my own what I would do, fully understanding that Roycey never picks the obvious. Correct. He always goes right. whatever you think is the obvious. He always goes the other way. So Tibbs and Butler in his world would have no chance. Correct. They'd be at the table somewhere, but they'd have no chance of actually. Winning the award. Yeah. And because even more so, Patrick loves Tom Thibodeau. And Tom Thibodeau <laughs> loves Patrick Rice. I still don't understand. But that's okay. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. It is a, it's an odd couple of Power rankings. All right. Number seven yep. on the Turkey of the Year ranking list for me is Mike Zimmer, hmm. who touted himself, not as much like other people touted him, but touted the best defense in the NFL for all of 2017 into the 2018 playoffs only to give up in his career-defining moment as a head coach at that moment. 38 points to a backup quarterback and got smoked by four and a half touchdowns on the doorstep of a home Super Bowl. All right. A home Super Bowl on the horizon. And the best defensive mind in the league, in his defining moment as a coach, gives up 38 points. He's number seven on the list. All right. right. Number six, a guy who made a fuss about his contract... Thumped his chest about the front office bailing on the team two different times, only to hit 215 and then gets benched by his new team in Los Angeles. Brian Dozier. Right. Dozier, wow. Right. Sixth on the Turkey of the Year he list. I know he had too. a knee injury, but Albert Pujols has had a foot problem for like 15 years and still finds a way. So, uh, Brian Dozier, sixth on the Turkey of the Year list. Number five, 
A guy who constantly forgets about maybe the most important thing in football, which is 330-pound dudes who can protect your quarterback. Rick Spielman. Yep. Like, awesome, you went, you upgraded quarterback, you paid a bunch of money for him, but ultimately he runs for his life and sees ghosts because he can't find guys to block for him. Mm -hmm. So Rick Spielman, one time in his career has he really gone all out in the offseason and in the draft to fix offensive line, and it was two years ago. And it like wasn't a one-year fix. It was maybe a multi-year fix, and he ignored it. So Rick Spielman, number five. Number four, a guy who went through legal issues, who can't stay under 290 pounds, and whose batting average hovered around the Mendoza line all year in his, what, fourth season in the major leagues, Miguel Sano. Yes. Mm-hmm. And who could do some damage at the Thanksgiving strong table, can- A sure. strong candidate who would have to push away from the table very quickly <laughs> to have the success you want. Yeah. So Miguel's the number four. I like it. All right, into the top three here. You'll notice the theme. Number three is the man who promised glory and cohesion and the world being right when he got his guy into the organization. Tom Thibodeau. You can't bring in Jimmy Butler and then a year later have it explode in your face and have him demand a trade and a divorce from you and not be top three on this list. Surprised he's three. Number three. Not higher. Okay. You'll, you'll see it play out. It's not a super surprise here. If this were up to Judd, it would just be Tibbs number one and there would be like no other like power rankings at all. It would just be Tibbs. <laughs> oh, I don't know about that. Judd Glenn, would just say Tibbs, end of list. Glenn would be with him. Glenn Taylor would be very close. Another version of this list would be if you just ranked Minnesota sports figures based on how much damage they could do at a Thanksgiving table, he'd also be in the top three. Miguel Sano would be in the top three. Mm -hmm. And then maybe like Riley Reef or something would be in the top three. Number two, a guy who I know this was not in the 2018 calendar year, but like the beginning of his time here started, remember, with him promising Minnesota sports fans he was going to not only deliver big things, but he was going to bring other huge names, names bigger than me to the team. Unless Jimmy Butler meant Jeff Teague, he failed on that promise and wound up just bailing on the whole thing and being a terrible leader and a Tasmanian devil in a locker room that was chaotic. Very fair. So Jimmy Butler's number two, which means number one on the Phil Mackey Turkey of the Year power rankings is a guy who oversees all of this and it's a lifetime achievement award for Glenn Taylor. Okay, Glenn Taylor has to be number one on this list. Before didn't before Glenn bought the Star Tribune, didn't the Timberwolves as a franchise get the Turkey of the Year like four or five years ago? I thought I he s- did that. Yeah, I Pat, Pat did Wolves. Timberwolves uh, like twenty five years. Yeah, twenty five years, yes. years. Okay, yeah. So very I want, fair. I want to say the, there's been the Turkey of the Year has been Timberwolves related <laughs> multiple times, hasn't it? That column would be rejected in two thousand eighteen. Yeah. Nah, I'm sorry, Pat. We can't. Uh, run. We're not going to run with that. We're not going to run with that criticism of Glenn Taylor. <laughs> yeah. But that's very yes. Okay. That theme is very. I thought fair. like Mikhail, Mikhail, or like Flip or somebody got it in like the early two thousands, maybe. Mikhail did. Mikhail. Yeah. I think you're right. So that's that's the I list. Like the theme. Top three all Timberwolves figures. They have to be. I feel like there's some other ones beneath the surface here that we should consider. I mean, I thought about putting Carl Anthony Towns on here just for games one and two against the Rockets. I know that he has a bunch of ball hoggy players like Butler and oh. Derrick Rose, but for God's sakes, you can't score single digits in how, playoff games. How about your guy Wiggy? I was just gonna say Wiggins, right? He'd probably be an honorable mention, right? Is he Turkey of the Year though, or is he just like? He's been the same guy for five years. He, he could be top ten. I guess Glenn I, I Taylor's been w- the same guy for twenty years. Yeah. He's got the contract. He signed the contract and he regressed offensively last year, right? 
But that's another reason for Glenn Taylor being number one. Uh, it's got to be two. Let's sit down so I can look you in the eye. Manny's right. I want to look you in the eye before I give you <laughs> look at John. The it's, $150 million. It's got to it's be two. Judd's just confirming, yeah, it's two, it's number got, one, end of list. Dressing! Dressing! <laughs> cranberries! We're looking to add wings. <laughs> oh, my God. You think you like appetizers? Tom Thibodeau doesn't just like appetizers. He f- loves them. We're looking to add wings. Wings! Yeah, yeah. yeah! Small plates! Yes. Calamari! Mozzarella sticks! Yeah, spinach and artichoke dip! So here's my here's oh, my man. question though off the tweet that uh, Patrick put out on Tuesday, saying to whom it may concern due to complications involving the Turkey Committee, there will not be a Turkey of the Year presentation on Thanksgiving morning in the Star Tribune. There will be something. What is that? The, the, Chip said he has no idea. Is he going to blog? What does that mean? I don't know, but it means he's going to do something. Somebody obviously uh, he either decided and or the Strib said you got to do something, Pat. So he's going to do something. But they're not making room in the actual newspaper. The column's dead, that's right? What, that's what he has said, yes. But now he's teasing something, and I have no clue. And he he's not in town, so I haven't communicated with him since he put this tweet out. Yeah, he's in New York. I mean, they have internet in New York, I think. So he should be able to blog. I'm just very curious. Hmm. Well, we're going to get... Do you think he'll tell us when we have him on at 545? He's not on today. He's not. He's that, not well, he took the rest of the week off. That's right, but why can't, why can't he... Should we just call him? Why does he need Why to take, are you calling me? He said he. Why he, does he need to take the week off? On mo- their phone calls on Monday. He said I could do it, but I don't think I'll pick my phone up if I agree to do it. So I'm just not gonna do it. <laughs> well, he's not drunk because he hasn't <laughs> drank in forty years. No, I know. But what's just, preventing him from coming on the phone? Yeah, and- with me, there'd be no chance because I'd be <laughs> face down on some bar in Manhattan. Why are you calling me, <laughs> Manny? What? What is it? What? What do you do? Uh, Why are you calling me? You, you were my you were my protege until Judd ruined you. <laughs> I love when you're on the phone with him and he and he the conversation like in his mind it's over and so like mid sentence he'll just okay goodbye right, goodbye goodbye <laughs> goodbye. <laughs> oh man, uh, Jason Wildy is going to join us from ESPN Wisconsin when we come back here. At first, I thought when I saw Jordan Rogers retweeting the Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers donated a million dollars to the fire uh, relief fund in California. And apparently uh, they haven't patched things up, that family yet, according to some tweets that were sent out today. We can talk about that and the state of the Packers and uh, Vikings Packers this weekend. Wildy will join us next. Andy Greeter on go for football and basketball and the football hour. It's Mackie and Judd from the TCL Broadcast Studios. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Gentlemen, to the medicine cabinet. On 1500 ESPN. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios. Please keep working during the following announcement. Mackie and Judd are back on 1500 ESPN. All right, let's check traffic. Brought to you by T-Mobile, 94 westbound. we got a crash in Minneapolis uh, between Highway 55 and 35W, causing about an eight-minute delay. And uh, also 35W northbound. We've got a crash in Richfield between 86th Street and 82nd Street. Causing an extra couple of minutes to your commute there. 694 westbound in Fridley. We've got a crash between University and East River Road. 
Uh, factor in an extra four minutes there. Now at Metro, buy a select Samsung Galaxy or LG phone and get a second one for free on a new line. Metro by T-Mobile. Plus sales tax and activation fee. Requires qualifying plan. Phone free after all instant rebates. Free phone of lesser or equal value. See store for details and terms and conditions. As many of you know, the California wildfires have devastated countless communities. In Northern California, where I was born and raised, the city of Paradise burned to the ground, and many of the residents that got out are now displaced in my hometown of Chico and across the North State. I personally reached out to my friends and the mayor of Chico to find out how to be of the most help. And raising money for both immediate needs and a long-term recovery is what's needed most right now. So you hear that from Aaron Rodgers, right? And it goes on for a while. He's donating money to the wildlife uh, the, the the to help put out these it's fires. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, Manny, you have his brother Jordan Rogers retweet that yes. was just out like an hour ago. Yeah. Uh, please donate, spread awareness, and send love. All caps. Mm-hmm. But when your own mom is home alone during the fires, car packed, ready to evacuate, and you miss the fundamental first step of compassion, calling your parents to make sure they are safe. Everything else just seems like an act. Go, Matt, go! Jason Will to ESPN Wisconsin. <clears throat> Your thoughts about the Rogers family brouhaha, which evidently is not near being over. What kind of person calls a $1 million donation an act? Yeah. What kind of pension-seeking charlatan who goes on The Bachelor... Uh, the, 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 the Bachelorette. Like the Bachelorette, <laughs> Jason. Okay. Thank you, Mackie. I'm just going to clarify that. Take Those that, Wildy. programs I watch, yes. Um, oh. Look, look, I'll say this um, and leave it at that. Um, I thought Aaron Rodgers has obviously repeatedly said that the existing rift that he has with his family is a private matter and he does not talk about it publicly. I've seen a New York Times piece done on it. Um, obviously, both of his brothers have said things in recent you know, months and years about it. Um, I don't think you can bag on anybody who makes a $1 million donation out of their own pocket. Like, State Farm is matching funds or whatever else, but he's the guy stroking the check. And I think you have to be a pretty small person on a day like this take your family grievances public and behave in that manner on social media. And based on the responses that I saw to that tweet, the majority of people would agree with me. So, Jason, does this date back to Olivia or before? Like, when did this all go so wrong with the entire family and especially the siblings? Yeah, I, look, you know, Judd, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this because you and I have been friends from a long, for a long time. And my girls consider you Uncle Judd. They're excited to come up there and see you this weekend. Um, I've surrounded my daughters, my wife and I have, uh, with some amazing people. Uh, I don't have a very good relationship with my family. Um, Some people in my family have said and done some pretty hurtful things over the years. Mm -hmm. And I think when you have people in your life that you deem to be toxic um, and you choose to distance yourself from them, if you're making that choice because you think it's what's best for you and for those you love and care about, mm-hmm. um, there's nothing wrong with that. And I'm really proud of the people that 
have taken up that slack in my life, and, and you and Dawn are among those people. Um, I'm sure Sydney's a little bit older now, so she won't be quite as impressed by Dawn's uh, bracelets. Oh, you don't know that. There's a lot of bracelets there, Jason <laughs> Wilding. There's a lot of bracelets. But, uh, but I just, I'm just, uh, I just am I'm a little bit surprised um, that anybody would choose to go about this this way. And my final question would just be this. If you truly want your brother to be part of your life and to reconcile yep. whatever problems you have, this doesn't strike me as a way to go about that. No, that would be absolutely true. Okay, from from troublesome and sad toxic to fun toxic, how bad are things between the head coach and quarterback now? Because <laughs> that's a lot more relationship fun. hour with Judd. Yeah, it really is. Oh, this uh, is an important one because I think I think McCarthy's gone now, Jason. I I don't see how he survives after 2018. Yeah, I, I if if I were to have to make a prediction right now on 1500 ESPN, I would agree with you. Um, now, I look, if they go in there into U.S. Bank Stadium on Sunday night and win, I think they've got the potential to still make a run and make the playoffs. I don't know if that's enough, though. And I do think that whether it's Rogers' relationship with, with McCarthy or other play, I mean, he's the quarterback, but I got to be honest with you. I was talking to a couple of players about this. They all watched Monday night. They watched those two offenses. And as good as Pat Mahomes and Jared Goff are, and considerably younger than the guy that's the quarterback here, I think there's a pretty good feeling in this locker room that if they ran an offense that had evolved the way those offenses have, that they could be maybe not as productive because they don't have Rand- Randall Cobb's been hurt a bunch. Jimmy Graham now has broken thumb, but he hasn't really been consistently productive since he got here. Geronimo Allison is out. They cut ties with Jordy Nelson, who I don't care how slow he is. I'm pretty sure Aaron Rodgers would be able to get him the ball more effectively than two rookies who don't seem to be in the right place most of the time. Um, players watch those games, man, and they see the difference between what they're running and what the Packers are running. And I think that, you know, the amazing thing about Andy Reid, and once upon a time, Judd, you and I were flying back from Philadelphia after a game that he coached in, um, the 4th and 26th game. And to his credit, he has evolved with the game. I mean, his offense does not look like the one that Donovan McNabb ran. And the Packers' offense looks largely the same systematically as it has since Mike McCarthy got here in 2006. So uh, I, I don't know if it's so much about their relationship as it is about the fact that they just, they're, they're just not good enough. And whether that's personnel or scheme or relationships, I think it's all those things. And it's pretty clear that they, they probably reached the point where it's best for everybody to get some fresh starts. Mackie and Judd, uh, Jason Wildy is our guest here as we look ahead, Vikings and Packers this weekend. And so we, we run a bit on this show uh, after the Packers lose. We call it Packer Vent Line, where we just pull clips from callers from Packer postgame shows and, that are standing on ledges. <laughs> and uh, usually it's, it's courtesy of our, uh, of our guy, uh, the big unit, Bill Michaels. But um, we... Well, now I'm not quite as pleased. <laughs> I don't rival, but um, we... 
it's amazing to us watching from afar, not that Aaron Rodgers is, you know, should avoid all criticism, but the amount of seemingly the amount of Packer fans and people who who call him part of the problem or say that he's just a shell of himself compared to what he was early in his career. And I go like this season he has the second lowest completion percentage uh, of any year in his career, and he's uh, eighth in passer rating in the NFL, and even lower than that in QBR. So um, he's twentieth in QBR. What are your thoughts on on Aaron Rodgers compared to the rest of the top quarterbacks in the league as it stands right now? Well, I think he certainly has to own some of that blame. Uh, and in fact, I after the group dispersed, I talked with him a little bit today about it. And look, he's he's definitely missed throws. There's no question about that. He definitely deserves some criticism. I had somebody, though, and this is why I've really reduced my Twitter usage. Um, I let Judd do all the tweeting now. But Judd's happy. I, I love say, to tweet. You know that. I know you do. Um, I had somebody say that this is what happens when you get very poor quarterback play. Yeah. Very poor quarterback play. Like, how entitled are Packers fans to define, what is it, 20 touchdowns, one pick? And that, yeah. Very poor. I mean, where were you for Brett Hundley last year? And also, Jason. So, from coming from our perspective here too, and it's mostly Vikings fans who you know, are listening. We laugh at that because even Aaron Rodgers, at seventy-five percent of his all-time greatness, is so much better than almost anything the Vikings have had the last twenty-five years, outside of one year of Brett Favre, like three minutes of Dante Culpepper. I mean, we <laughs> like take your quarterback beer goggles off for God's sakes. Yeah, that's a, I, I might use that line at some point. Um, look, it, it, as with everything, or as Mike McCarthy likes to say, it's like anything. Um, that's his new filler that he uses about 12 times a press conference. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's always a multitude of things, right? So Rodgers has certainly missed throws. Uh, for much of the season, he has been unable to move the way he normally does, right? So one of the things that has been a staple of their offense is his ability to extend plays. Well, not only has he not been able to do that, so he has thrown the ball away more. According to Pro Football Focus, he's thrown the ball away more through, actually, through eight games. Now it's through ten games. But he had thrown the ball away intentionally more through eight games than he had ever before in an entire season. So he's clearly not having guys open, whether it's their inability to stick with him on uh, an extended play where they have to get open as second reactions, or it's guys just not getting open based on the scheme, which is certainly a part of it because you don't see guys being schemed open as much as in some of these other offenses. Um, Rodgers has passed up some checkdowns that would be easy completions, trying to make plays. Now, is that springing from the feeling that, look, we're not good enough to put together 10, 12, 14 play drives on a regular basis, so I have to go down the field more? I'm not sure, but that's a part of it. Uh, they've got two rookie wide receivers who are playing extensively now because of injuries. One was drafted in the fifth round. One was drafted in the sixth round. I mean, in this offense, whether your name was Greg Jennings in 2006 or Jordy Nelson in 08 or Devontae Adams in 14, and I'm sure this is true with Vikings receivers too, that you're just not a complete package when you're a rookie. So while there may be flashes of potential, you don't, you're not where you're supposed to be when you're supposed to be there as frequently as a veteran player. So you put that all together, and their offense just has not been good enough for them, especially in some fourth quarters. Their third down 
percentage is poor. Their red zone is down. But most importantly, against the Rams, against the Patriots, and against the Seahawks, they either had the lead or were tied in the fourth quarter and didn't get it done offensively. So in in that game, the loss to the Rams, in retrospect now, Jason, what was Montgomery doing? I mean, how how do you have how do you have it? Because that was a great back and forth game. That was a fun game. That was a yeah. winnable game, and the ball would have been in the hands of one of the best late game pressure quarterbacks probably in the history of this league. How on earth do you have a guy bring that ball out? So here's the amazing thing. So a few days later, this is one of those instances where uh, Twitter can be helpful. Somebody unearthed a clip of Stanford in the Fiesta Bowl against Oklahoma State, and there was a young kickoff returner back for a kickoff return in the second half, and he want, he's going to try and bring it out, and one of his own Stanford teammates tackles him in the end zone <laughs> to make sure it is still a touchback. That freshman kickoff returner was Ty Montgomery. Wow. Really? Like I, I, I felt a little bit like Paul Harvey there. And now you know <laughs> yeah, the rest, rest of the story. And his name was uh, Ty Montgomery? It was, uh, it was amazing, and, and we were joking, you know, where, what, where is that guy when you need him? Well, it turns out that the guy who tackled Montgomery on the play is actually in, uh, he's getting his MBA at 10. Um, they could have used him on special teams that day. But, look, that was a colossal mistake. They were told ahead of time they wanted the touchback. I think the biggest mistake about that is that you're now at a point with the new rule change where you don't even have to catch the ball in the end zone. Right. So if the ball's coming at you and it's going to be above like your kneecap and you know it's going to land in the end zone, it's like a punt now. So if it hits the end zone, it's an automatic touchback. So he didn't even have to catch it. And, you know, Mike Silver from NFL.com had the report that he had uh, been frustrated and thrown his helmet on the sideline because he'd been taken out of the previous offensive series, which was true. And then Mike Silver had an anonymous quote from one of the players talking about, you know, basically this being him saying, I'm going to do what I want to do after, and I'm going to show you guys. Here's the most amazing thing. So the Monday after that, a group of reporters are around him, and he talked for about 10 minutes, and about eight and a half minutes of that from Ty Montgomery was him complaining about a player talking about him as an unnamed source and saying that that player owed him an apology and that he didn't know who to trust in the locker room. If you make a colossal mistake like that against an undefeated team and keep the ball out of one of the all-time great quarterbacks' hands in the two-minute drill, and you spend most of your time complaining about somebody else complaining about you anonymously to Michael Silver, that's what sealed his fate more than anything. They might have been able to look past the mistake, but he basically made himself unwelcome in his own locker room by not owning his mistake, and that's why he's no longer here. Yeah. Get lost. That was that. Now, now that you put uh, put all that together, that made it an easy decision. Hey, we're uh, looking forward to welcoming you to our palatial studios on Monday after Vikings and Packers. See you, Jason. I am. I'm very excited. Thanks for putting me up on Monday, and I will see you guys in Minneapolis this weekend. Sounds, Sounds good, man. Bye. All right, Jason Wildey from ESPN Wisconsin and uh, longtime friend of the show and Judd Zolgads. That'd be cool, man. I'd like to, to see that again. Hey, listen, I'm excited to see the kids, okay? That'd be cool, man. All right? I'm excited to see the kids, all right? That'd be cool, dude. I can't wait to see the kids. Are you happy now? Are you happy? Uh, Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios, Mackie and Judd are back. Come on, there's so much to do. On 1500 ESPN. 
Hey guys, you want to win a 55-inch TCL Roku TV? Well, join Judge Zolgat at Randall's downtown Minneapolis from 3 to 5 this Saturday for the ultimate college football viewing party with Dos Equis. Come enjoy an ice cold one and register to win that new TV. More details at 1500ESPN.com keyword events. Thank you, Manny. Well, we'll talk to Andy Greeter from the Pioneer Press and TwinCities.com. Uh, Go for basketball team has been, I don't know if you guys watch, they're playing here in like an hour. I don't know if you guys watched the game last night. It got a little dicey against Santa Clara, but then Gabe Kalsher hit all of the threes he in the second shoot. half. He's, yeah. he's a nice yeah. young player. I yeah. like him a lot. I was texting with our old buddy, uh, Ariel McDonald, who used to be a regular on the show last night. Yeah. And it's funny, like I'm throwing him under the bus, but he was lamenting in the first half, like, man, they need some shooters on this team. And literally like the moment he sends... Pushes send. Kalsher hits three consecutive three pointers from you know twenty five <laughs> feet. Go. So they do have a shooter. Uh, this article just popped up from Bleacher Report. Actually, former Star Tribune writer. Yes, I always Master. butcher his last name, but Master uh, Tesfatsion. 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 Okay. Mm-hmm. Adrian Peterson is still the same AP. Is the headline of the article here? And the quote that almost. And this is a, a lengthy feature on Peterson and this comeback season he's having. And the quote that most people are gravitating to is this. Uh, I had to discipline my son and spank him the other day with a belt. Peterson said, admitting that he still hits his son with objects, including a belt, or at least I don't know if it's the same kid that we're talking about here. But not a switch now. He's moved away from the switch to the belt. That's great. But the main point here is he does still... He does still take whatever uh, it is near him, a belt or maybe a switch sometimes to his children. And uh, the other quote from him was, I didn't let everything that happened four years ago change me. I still have to do what I have to do as a parent, basically, is what he's saying. Does that surprise you one bit? It doesn't me. Judging from how he he reacted at that time, it does not surprise me. I fully, I don't think there was ever a day in his life as as he um, went through the court system down in Texas. I don't think there was ever a time where he thought to himself, I did something wrong. I no, think he, he thought did, he to himself, didn't. I'm being persecuted. It's why I, It's why he got so mad at the Vikings, at the league. He never looked in the mirror and said, "Self-awareness should has I, always no. been the issue." And he ne- and he never did that. And everything he did was was basically telling all of us that he got screwed. So Pro Football Talk has an interesting anecdote here. I'm just going to read this from Michael David Smith on uh, PFT. Peterson is no longer on probation for the previous abuse case, but his public admission that he still hits his kid with a belt could draw scrutiny from legal authorities. Different states have different laws about parents physically disciplining their children, and it's unclear from the Bleacher Report article where the incident with the belt took place. Regardless of any legal issues, Peterson could also now face discipline from the NFL, which may clear this is probably a bit of a stretch by Michael David Smith, but he could face discipline from the NFL, which made it clear when Peterson was suspended in 2014 that his reinstatement was dependent upon his agreeing to go through counseling and be a better father to his children, end quote. I got sad news for, for you, but if if any of this happens, guess what? He's going to say, "I used a belt, not a switch." Well, and he just because the a, switch was the switch was what cut the kid, I believe. Well, a belt could. Well, a belt could, but my my that's the point, though, is he never understood that he did something wrong. Like I think he thinks to himself, "Okay, I'm I won't use the switch because the switch cut the kid, so I'll go to a belt." As opposed to it's 2018, 
there might be a better way. If, if you're trying to get a message across to your son or daughter who you deem did something wrong, there's probably a better way to go about that. But he's not. But the thing is, you know, and we're, we're sitting here, you and I are, you know, we talked about this. I remember this exact conversation for two weeks, four years ago. You and I are two white dudes from the suburbs of, well, you're from Los Angeles originally, but like Minnesota. And it was such a, I didn't know what a switch was four years ago. When this mm-hmm. story came out, I was like, he hit his kid with a what? Like a, a switch blade? He stabbed his kid. Right. I didn't know. I didn't know what a switch was. Yeah. I didn't know that it was a, a, a tree branch that has a flimsy nature to it. Adrian Peterson comes from a background, and millions of people in the country come from a background where that's perfectly normal. And their reaction was, A, you don't know what a switch is, and B, I mean Jerome Felton was his in the studio. His teammate yeah. said exactly that. And B, of course you hit your kids with a switch. That's how you discipline your kids. My parents, my mom and my dad, they both grew up. My mom was born in Mississippi. She moved up here when she was 12, but she was born in Mississippi. My dad's from Tennessee. I mean, it's when, when that's when the story, when Adrian Peterson's story came out, my mom was kind of like, yeah, yeah, right, yeah, that's, that's how it was for us. Vikings yeah. players did the same thing. Yeah. And now we, those guys did, yeah. we all sit here and try to unpack, okay, is that right or wrong? To what degree is it right or wrong? To what degree should someone be punished? And right. it's interesting that four years later, Adrian still shrugs his shoulders and says, man, this is how I grew up and this is how I'm going to discipline my kids. But what bugged me about him and, and I had covered him for a long time before that and always liked him. What bugged me about that though was, was the fact that he was never aware that he might've done something wrong. It's like, let's take a step back and talk about it. Okay. Mm -hmm. And, and if he had said, if he had given constructive, if there had been a constructive back and forth, but he just got mad and he's, and his, his assessment is, I can't believe I'm getting in trouble for doing the right thing as opposed to, is it really? It's also worth noting that That's I'm funny. sure there's a lot of kids, and like Manny, you bring up your parents. There's a lot of kids who probably have been disciplined with switches that didn't bleed, right? And that, or that didn't have a 230 pound hulking NFL player with right. said switch in hand. So it's that, it's also that lack of self awareness. Um, but, and just to continue this PFT article. If the NFL views Peterson hitting his son with a belt as a failure to quote, properly care for your children, he could be suspended regardless of whether he faces criminal charges. The NFL has made it clear with past incidents the players can be disciplined under the personal conduct policy even if they're not criminally charged. Mm-hmm. I highly doubt if they're going to suspend him for admitting in an article that he takes a belt to his kids. But, yeah, I mean, like the here's another thing. The fact that he would even say that to a reporter with a recorder in his hand, knowing what happened four years ago, also shows you how oblivious yes. he is. He's emboldened. Maybe I should just keep this to myself so that we don't have a huge fiasco on our hands the rest of the season. But that goes back to the what I've always said about him is just the lack of self-awareness. Just not understanding this is probably, considering the circumstances now, Adrian, this is probably something you don't need to be talking about to a reporter with a recorder. And like, come on. But in, in his mind, though, he does. He just doesn't, he doesn't look he, at it that way. He's saying, I'm right. Right. That By saying this to Master, he's basically saying, even after the fact, I'm still right. Yeah. Uh, let's talk. Let's mix in some gopher hoops and gopher football when we come back here. The gophers are, uh, the basketball team is in Vancouver right now. They play Washington in about 45 minutes as uh, as part of this preseason tourney that they're in. We'll talk to Andy Greeter when we come back. Football hour includes Rich Gannon and Mackie and Judd are back. Please. Continue on 1500 ESPN. All right, quick check on traffic here in the TCL broadcast studios. There's one crash to tell you about right now. That's on 62 eastbound uh, near Richfield. 
between 28th Avenue and 34th Avenue. It is causing a 19-minute delay. So if you're headed that way on 62, be prepared for uh, an extra 19 minutes on your commute. Gentlemen? How about a couple of road wins for the... talk about the road wins later. Dupree McGuire with as wide of a smile as he's had throughout his entire career. It helps to turn the mic yeah, on. The red button is very yeah, important. That's a very important thing. Yeah. Here's it's, it. so, it's hard to find. Off? Now I'm on. <laughs> it's hard to find. Andy Greeter from the Pioneer Press and TwinCities.com and uh, the Gophers are in Vancouver playing playing three games. They actually play in about 40 minutes here against Washington. And um, I, don't, I, I was just wa- I've watched a couple games now, and it feels like this is definitely a deeper team because the freshmen can contribute. I mean, Gabe Kalsher hit, what is it, seven threes or six threes, almost all of them in the second half last night. Yeah, he's been impressive. I think his poise has been the biggest thing. The moment hasn't been too big for him. Uh, you know, when his first game against his first true game against Utah, I think he had five threes, and I mean, he just got such a sweet stroke. I mean, he just squares it up. It's compact. It's got good art, good follow through, and it just has a feel like it's going to go in, and it has, you know, in the four games so far this year. What, what's your sense too for this team? Because so much went wrong last year. What's your sense of how much stock that was actually put into to the things that went wrong, especially once uh, the Big Ten conference started that those games, and how much this team just sort of put that behind them? Because you did have such a series of what you had suspension, injuries, and and it wasn't as if the team that finished the season a year ago was the same team that started it. Yeah, I just think they look at it as you know, kind of a you know a thing that was just kind of out of their control. I mean, obviously the, the Reggie Lynch thing was, was kind of above and beyond and, and very serious. But when it comes to all the injuries that they had, you know, Dupree McBrayer wasn't practicing at all. And, you know, he was very limited in warm-ups before games last year. And, and now he's completely healthy and he's having fun. I mean, he was scoreless last night, but he was key in the second half as they tried to take care of business against Santa Clara. Uh, but Amir Coffey, I mean, he was shut down with his shoulder injury. Uh, you know, Nate Mason was was hobbled by ankle and hip issues. So yeah, I just think they look at look at it and go, okay, that was that was just so many maladies stacked up. Uh, that there was just so much bad luck that they just look at it as kind of an anomaly, and they're turning the page and and look at a new fresh start here. So Andy, I, the, the schedule on paper was was I think when I saw the schedule on paper, the preseason schedule or the non conference schedule, and saw. You know, power five schools like Texas A&M and Washington, Boston College, Oklahoma State, and thought, wow, this is... But all those teams are either down or or not top 25, right? So is it possible this game against Washington will tell us something today if they get a win there, another 5-0, but I feel like they could build a pretty nice little resume going into the conference schedule. Is NCAA tournament at this point, that has to be the goal, right? Or that has to be the expectation for this team? Yeah, for sure. I think, I mean, yeah, so many high majors on there, you're like, okay, well, this is going to be a true test. But, you know, from Texas A&M to Boston College to Oklahoma State, so many teams, uh, Utah, so many teams on the roster just were picked at the bottom of their conferences. So we don't really know exactly what we're going to get from the Gophers. Like you said, tonight's matchup is, is going to be the real test for the Gophers. I mean, they were top 25 team until they got blown out by Auburn. So this will be the nice test for them. You know, both of them played last night, so any sort of you know, excuse about tired legs is going to be something that both teams are going to be dealing with. Uh, but, yeah, to answer your question about, you know, is this an NCAA tournament team, I think absolutely. They should be having that expectation. I think, you know, the Big Ten has, has shown itself to be a, 
a deeper, better league this year. I think last year, you know, they were down. So, I mean, there was, you know, certainly room to go up. But, you know, there have been some impressive results in the Big Ten. Uh, so it's going to be kind of a dogfight there. But I think this team, you know, like you said, given the depth, given the talent that they have at the top end, certainly has the aspirations of being the NCAA tournament. On the football front, sir, from the people that you talk to at that school, what's the concern about uh, butts in seats there? Because I've been to the last two games, and and there, I guess the turnstile count, according to your colleague uh, Charlie Walters for the Purdue game, which was a miserable day, was 14,950. Last Saturday was cold, but it was actually a nice day to go to a football game or decent, and the crowd there was announced at 32 and was much less than that. How yeah. concerned are they growing by the fact that, that I think when they transitioned uh, from Clays to Fleck, the, the feeling was that PJ would bring in some, some you know, pizzazz and get people excited. And I know that things aren't great in the win-loss column, but what is their worry right now about the fact that they just aren't drawing still? You know, I think they're on, uh, publicly they're deflecting. You know, they're saying, you know, attendance is down across the board. Uh, you know, in every sport, at every level, mm-hmm. uh, in the NCAA. So that's where they're first saying it. But yeah, I think there's definitely a concern just because of how much their revenue is generated based on ticket sales. It's one of the biggest. I mean, outside of TV contracts and, and merchandise, it's, you know, it's, it's one of those three legs of that chair. Uh, so yeah, they're, they're definitely concerned about it. I think, you know, if we're still having this conversation with this poor attendance next year, uh, in year three, and we don't see a corner turned, we don't see more wins, we don't see people coming even if it is cold, then I think there's going to be a real concern. I think they're still looking at it like, okay, this is still kind of the honeymoon period. We're still kind of waiting to see, uh, you know, the building process for P.J. Fleck to, to take hold. Sure. Uh, so, yeah, if this goes into year three, then I think there's really going to be some issues. What would be, do you think, in Mark Coyle's mind, a corner turned for that that program what do they need to what does flex team need to do in 2019 where they can definitively say that they see progress yeah i think i think seven wins i think winning a rivalry game i I don't think it's going to be you know contending for a big 10 west uh spot just yet but i think you know winning a rivalry game that they haven't done in in wisconsin's case in 14 years and in iowa's case going on four uh you know no one around this program has, has been a part of a a rivalry win in the two biggest ones. So if you get those, that can be really energizing uh, for fans. And going to a bowl game that isn't, you know, the Quick Lane Bowl, you know, the whatever the name of the Dallas Bowl is these days, you know, it changes every year. Uh, to go to a little bit higher level of a bowl game, I think that would be, you know, kind of the encouraging sign. And also just seeing the pieces that they have and, and seeing where the future is, seeing the talent level come in. If it doesn't happen, you know, right away, that seeing, okay, these guys look like Big Ten players. They're there is some, you know, explosiveness. There is some skill there. There are some five technique tackles that aren't forty pounds. You know, there are there are, there are you know safeties that don't, you know, bite on fakes and give up huge plays like at the Northwestern game where you're just where's the depth on this team after a guy like Antoine Winfield goes down? If you're able to see some of that kind of stockpile, I think then you could see some of the turners corn. I mean, how about turn a corner by beating a Wisconsin team that's <laughs> down on their luck? I mean, Wisconsin needed three overtimes to beat a Purdue team that you destroy. It was it was at Purdue versus a home game, but I'm trying to think of in the last 15 years, the last time the Gophers brought the axe home, how many times Wisconsin has looked this vulnerable? And uh, it's not many, for sure, Andy. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I ran some numbers since 94 uh, and when they've been down and had a winning percentage of, of less than 700, and 
you know, it's been, a, you know, about 10 times, and the Gophers have won about four of them. Uh, and then every other time in those, you know, 20-plus years, if the, if the Badgers have had a winning percentage over 700, the Gophers haven't stood a chance. So, yeah, you know, they don't have a great record when the Badgers are, are relatively down, but it's the only opportunity that they've taken advantage of to beat them. And this is what's going to happen on Saturday. It's going to be a down Wisconsin team that, you know, had aspirations to go to the college football playoff and is sitting here at 7-4, and four, uh, nowhere near where they thought they were going to be. Uh, but I'm hesitant to, you know, kind of really be optimistic for the Gophers, just given the fact that, you know, Jonathan Taylor is on their team. And he, you know, is coming off a rushing effort. Obviously, it was in three overtimes, but, you know, 330-some yards, a career high. And this guy is, you know, approaching 2,000 yards. And I don't know if the Gophers have, you know, the, the girth, the stoutness in the run defense to be able to stop something like that when it's coming downhill 50 times a game like it's most likely going to because the, the Badgers have so many issues at the quarterback spot. Yeah. 11-point uh, spread on that if you're, yeah. if you're wondering this weekend. That's not terrible. There's probably been a lot more, a lot wider spreads and Badger. You're right. They'll go win the game. History. Yep. You're exactly right. So, hey, Andy, great stuff, man. We'll talk sometime soon. Thanks, Andy. Okay. Take care. All right. Yeah. Andy Greeter from the Pioneer Press and TwinCities.com. Uh, it says, according to ESPN's Pick Center, I think this is what this means. It says the Gophers win this game 17% of the time. So That's higher it, than I thought it might be. Play 100 times and go for the win 17 times. <laughs> That's but, not terrible odds. But you're you're right, Phil. I'm trying to think back to, to the amount of times in the last, since like 1994 or so, that the Gophers have gone to play the Badgers and you actually think that there's an, there's a, at least an outside chance. Yeah, for sure. The last couple of years of Glenn maybe? Mason. 2014 when they were playing the last week of the season for the division. Yeah, I didn't really feel they, they had a chance. And they led they that were, game like 17 nothing. 17 6, I think. Uh, you know what? I'm Leitner sorry. Leitner had like the worst half of football. You that said you could the ever thing imagine. right there, though. Leitner. Mitch yeah. Leitner starting a quarterback. No yeah. offense. Nice guy. But my God, I never thought they had a chance. Yeah, I'm telling you, that's my favorite gopher hole thread of all time. Someone, I saw it tweeted out, or I can't remember. I, I, I think I clicked on the gopher hole forum or something. And at halftime, it was, where are all the Mitch Leidner haters now? And then the second half, he threw an interception on every other throw. They didn't delete the thread? Mm-hmm. Oh, I, they may have. They may have. Yeah, delete the evidence. Uh, the football hour is coming up next. Matthew Collar on Vikings and Packers, and Mike. So let's let's keep going on this thread. Mike Mike Zimmer kind of threw John D. Filippo under the bus this week, and Kirk Cousins was asked about those comments today, and his answer was interesting. So is there strife right now? Is there miscommunication? We'll talk about those things. And Rich Gannon will join the show in about 15 minutes as well. The Mackie and Judd Show will continue in a moment. So long, losers! On 1500 ESPN.